The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. This program is intended for educational purposes. Kabir is asking a very direct question to you and me. Tera mera manwa kaise hoyi ek re? How do we get on the same page? How do we talk to each other and listen to each other instead of talking past one another? He sets up a contrast. मैं कहता आंखों की देखी तू कहता कागज की लिखी ही सेइंग आई एम ऑफ दिस काइंड आई स्पीक ऑफ व्हाट आई सी एंड यू स्पीक ऑफ व्हाट यू रीड इन बुक्स आई ट्राई टू सिंप्लीफाई थिंग्स यू ट्राई टू कॉम्प्लिकेट देम फॉर मी दीज लाइंस कम्युनिकेट द एसेंस ऑफ द भक्ति वे ऑफ थिंकिंग व्हेन वी थिंक ऑफ एन इंटेलेक्चुअल ट्रेडिशन अ ट्रेडिशन ऑफ आइडियाज दैट भक्ति इज it is a spiritual tradition but it is also a tradition of ideas our modern mind automatically goes to the educated people and this poem by kabir reminds us that bhakti is anything but the vast majority of people that we're going to talk about in this episode now but also in later episodes are not intellectuals or formally educated in the sense that we understand them today people who are barbers weavers cobblers agricultural workers sex workers small shopkeepers housemaids cowherds shepherds these are all classes of society which are the working classes and to use modern terminology we can think of bhakti as a massive intellectual project of the working classes of india their poems talk about philosophical ideas but use the metaphors of their own trade their names have their trades attached to them bhakti republic with amit basole episode 2 katoti mein ganga Last time we were in Bombay. I am from Bombay. I like the city a lot. But perhaps even more than Bombay, I have a special love for Kashi, Varanasi, Banaras. Hello, Dev. 
The eternal city of the East that goes by so many names and invokes so many associations. Banaras, of course, has been the subject of much writing and study for centuries. But we'll talk about the city and the role it plays in our story of Bhakti, of Kabir and of Ravidas, two of Bhakti's very famous proponents, both of whom came from this city. Some of you may have heard those words by Mark Twain on Banaras that the city is older than history, older than tradition and looks twice as old as all of it put together. What Mark Twain is hinting at in his own unique way is this quality of being timeless, of always having been there. And those of us who haven't ever been there, who've never travelled to that city, still would perhaps carry around this idea. In addition to its timelessness, there is of course the special place that the city holds in the Hindu religion and tradition. And uh, who better to underscore this than my own favourite Ghalib. Mirza Ghalib once visited Banaras on his way from Delhi to Calcutta. He stayed there for a while and he was so influenced, awed, taken in by the city that he wrote a whole poem in its praise. It's called the Charage Dair, the lamp of the temple. He says, Ibadat khanae nakusiyanast, hama kabae hindustanast. He calls it the Ibadat Khana, the house of worship of the conch blowers. It's the house of worship of the conch blowers, but it's the second line that's really the key. Kaabai Hindustanast. Banaras is the Kaaba of Hindustan. The same significance that the Kaaba has in Islam, Ghalib is according it to this city. We think of it as a very old city, but it might surprise some of you that you don't actually find that many old structures in Banaras. It's not old in that sense. You know, for example, if you go to some of these Mediterranean cities, the old ones, right, uh, in Italy or Greece or Turkey and so forth, you can actually stand next to a piece of stone or a pillar that is literally 2,000 years old and in great condition, right? Go to the pyramids, it's even older. Banaras is not like that. As uh, historians uh, such as Madhuri Desai have shown, the structures on the ghats that you see, most of those are actually datable to the 1700s or 1800s, maybe a little bit older than that. There are, of course, archaeological excavations in the city and the surrounding areas that have revealed far older settlements and structures and the stupa at Sarnath where the Buddha preached his first sermon still very much stands and it is thousands of years old. It is old in the sense of having layers and layers of traditions, of people having come there to contribute to a continuing project that we can call India. And the most famous denizen of Banaras who was mentioned a lot when I was doing my fieldwork in Banaras about uh, now almost 15 years ago when I was doing my PhD on the weavers of Banaras, 
the figure that kept being mentioned of course was kabir banaras uh, many of you may be aware has an old weaving industry it's mentioned even in the um, centuries old texts that there was such an industry and of course kabir's existence also tells us that it was present in his time it's a part of the julaha identity the julaha is the word the old hindi word for uh, weaver although these days you won't hear it used so much uh, these days bunkar is more the preferred terminology but the bunkars of banaras see themselves as the same community as kabir so when you talk to them about anything about the history of the industry and so on he comes in as the most famous weaver if you will from the city although as you will i think see when we get deeper into kabir it's really not quite right to think of him as the patron saint of hindu muslim friendship or anything like that he doesn't spare the pandits he doesn't spare the qazis and mullahs but the point is that he is going to a truth deeper than them and i think that's what people realized everyone has their favorite kabir and later in this episode we'll talk a lot more about his lesser known poems but i want to start with perhaps one of his most famous poems chadariya jheeni re jheeni what i want to do is draw your attention to the metaphors that are really doing the work in this poem and how they connect so closely to kabir's identity as a weaver first of all notice that the body itself is given the metaphor of the chadar of the fabric so he right off the bat he's saying that this body of mine it is like a chadar that has been woven fine and imbued with the essence of the ram naam each stanza he keeps coming back to the weaving metaphor अष्ट कमल का चरखा चाले पांच तत्व की पूनी सो हियर ही इज नाइसली बिल्डिंग अ रिलेशनशिप बिटवीन दीज फाइव एलिमेंट्स एंड द एट चक्रज एंड सो ऑन विच आर दीज टेक्निकल टर्मिनोलॉजी दैट ही हैज इनहेरिटेड फ्रॉम वेरियस स्पिरिचुअल ट्रेडिशंस एंड देन ही इज मैरिंग देम टू चरखा एंड ताना बाना इफ यू विल द वॉर्प एंड द वेफ्ट ऑफ वीविंग इट then he says no das mas bunan ko lage so it takes 9 or 10 months to weave this chadar what is this chadar it is the body that takes 9 months to make he goes further with the metaphor he says jab mori chadar ban ghar aayi rangrez ko dini when the fabric was woven and brought in it was given to the dyer the cloth dyer or the rangrez aisa rang ranga rangre ne lalo lal kar dini aisa rang 
dyer dyed it fully in the color red and the, the color red has many again symbolic meanings here uh, and it goes back to the ramras uh, which is imbued in the chadar right and you get the idea you can you can look at it for yourself and you will see how far he is taking this metaphor he is talking about how people don't treat this chadar well how they make it dirty uh, which is again a metaphor for deeds uh, that we should not be doing and and so on a question that uh, often arises uh, at least in my mind maybe many of you have also thought about this is what do we know about how people like kabir were received in their time one very good source is the hagiographies or the praise stories the stories in the praise of various saints and poets and so forth of which again kabir has many as well so i'll start with the story that happens in banaras the time is kabir's time which is roughly the later half of the 15th century the later half of the 1400s uh, this is the time when banaras shifted from the delhi sultanate to the jaunpur sultanate what is called the sharki uh, sultanate of jaunpur it was governed from there for a bit and then it went back to delhi with the coming of lodis and uh, the story takes place at the time of sikandar lodi one of the lodi sultans so the exchange that follows between the the sultan and the pandits and the mullahs goes thus kahe sikandar kya hai bhai gaon pargana liya chinai gaon pargana nahi liya jula ek amarak kiya Sikandar says, "What is it, fellows? Has he stolen some gaon pargana from you guys? Why are you complaining about him? Gaon pargana nahi liya, jula ek amarag kiya. He has gone the wrong way." And then they launch into a list of complaints. So listen to those complaints. Musliman ki chodi riti, aur Hindu ki bhane chhiti. Ninde tirath, ninde bedu, ninde navgrah suraj chandu. उसने मुसलमान की राह छोड़ दी और हिंदू का भी मार्ग छोड़ दिया दोनों नहीं करता है तीर्थों की निंदा करता है वेदों की निंदा करता है नवग्रहों की सूरज चंद्र की निंदा करता है निंदे शंकर निंदे माई निंदे सारद गणपति राय निंदे ग्यारह होम सराध्य निंदे बामन जग आराध्य शंकर की भी निंदा करता है ब्राह्मणों की भी नहीं इज्जत कर ब्राह्मण तो जग आराध्य है उनके भी निंदा कर रहा है निंदे माता पिता की सेवा बहन भांजी अरुसब देवा निंदे सकल धर्म की आशा षट दर्शन अरु बारा मासा ही इज क्रिटिसाइजिंग ऑल ऑफ दिस फिलोसॉफिकल सिस्टम्स एंड सो ऑन ओसी विधि सब लोग बिगारा हिंदू मुसलमान तय न्यारा ताते हम ना माने कोई जब लग जुलाह काशी होई सो so, he is different from hindus and muslims and also on them they've all started listening to him and as long as these two last lines are the real reason why these guys have gone to him taate hame na mane koi jab lag julah kasi hui until then no one will listen to us as long as this julah is in kasi is is living in banaras this 
evidence, if you will, from Anand Das has been used to make the point, and Purushottam Agarwal stresses this very strongly in his book on Kabir Akhat Kahani Prem Ki, that we shouldn't think of Kabir as a marginal figure who sort of just hangs about and says his radical things and a few of his pals listen to him. He's actually quite influential in the time. One way to understand his influence is that he is giving voice to perhaps what many people already believe and think. Uh, over time, a certain norm may actually have shifted, people's beliefs may have shifted, but they are privately held beliefs, which people don't know that other people also are now thinking differently. Until some sort of a event or an exemplar happens, or somebody articulates a changed belief, at which point society is already ready to change. So now what does Sikandar Lodi do? Says, oh, is that right? You want me to take care of this rascal for you? All right, put him in chains and drown him in the Ganga. Put him in chains, throw him in the river. I think all of you can guess what will happen next. The chains magically open and Kabir floats back. All right, can't kill him by drowning. Let's kill him by fire. Set fire to his house. Fire becomes water. And the Gandharvas put flowers on the house. Fire not working. Let's bring in the elephant. Elephant, Kabir, trample please. And then what happens? Hari comes and becomes a lion and stands in front of the elephant. The elephant can't move. Right? So Hari being God himself. So Kabir, long and short of it is, Sikandar is convinced that Kabir is not just some ordinary guy uh, who can be dealt with in this fashion and he becomes his, as they say, usko manne lagta hai. The legend um, can be read as a way to talk about the importance of Kabir, why people were scared of him, in certain, certain kinds of people were scared of him and the fact that his personal charisma and devotion and so forth were of such an order that even those in authority were not able to get rid of him very easily. I think that much you can get from the legend. But what makes Kabir special is very nicely, I think, summarized by Purushottam Agarwal in his book. And I want to just read you one sentence from him that I think captures this very well. I'll first read it in Hindi and then I'll tell you what he's trying to say. Muslim Julahe Kabir ka nath panthi sadhana aur Vaishnav vecharikta और संवेदना से आत्मीय परिचय उनके ऐतिहासिक समय की विशेषता दर्शाता है the familiarity that kabir has the muslim julaha kabir has with nath panthis and vaishnav thinkers this familiarity demonstrates the kind of specialty of the time that kabir was living in on the one hand or kisi sampraday ke prachar mein kavita ko jyot dene ki kabir ka inkar Meaning that while being influenced by all these things, refusing to let his poetry and his powers of expression be yoked to any one particular view or ideology, but remaining independent, that shows his own agency and consciousness. 
let's listen to a couple of uh, examples of why these folks who were landed up to complain to the sultan would have been upset with what he was saying here's how the poem goes i'll first recite it in the original and then we will look at a translation pandit bhule padhi gaye veda aapu apno janu na bheda gayatri yug char padhai पूछ जाई मुक्ति किन पाई और के छुए लेत हो सींचा तुम्हें कहो कौन है नीचा यह गुण गर्व करो अधिकाई अति गर्व ना होई भलाई जासू नाम है गर्व प्रहारी सो कस गर्व ही सके सिहारी सो ही स्ट्रेट अवे स्टार्टिंग ही इज नॉट वेस्टिंग एनी टाइम इट्स अ शॉर्ट पोएम so he starts directly with saying these pandits they have forgotten what's actually in the vedas they don't they have not understood the secret aapu apno janu na bheda jo bhed hai jo secret hai jo asli cheez hai janne layak ved mein ye wo to ye log bhul gaye hain char yug se gayatri mantra padha rahe hain gayatri yug chari padhai poocho kisi se mukti kisi ne payi hai mukti kin payi you just kept reciting this and what happened aur ke chuhe let ho sicha if someone touches you you take a bath tumhi kaho kaun hai niche you tell me who is the actual lowly person here the one you touched or the one who has to take a bath because it touched somebody and then he cautions against pride and says god's name is garva prahari one who destroys pride how do you think he's going to be pleased with you being strutting around with all of your knowledge and so forth kabir of course is an equal opportunity offender so sometimes in the space of one short poem he takes on the rituals and symbolism of both religions very concisely and i'll give you just one more example in one of his poems again he is talking about the hollowness of rituals and so on and one of his line goes ban khandi jai bahut tap ki na kand mool khani khawa you went to the forest you did a lot of tapasya you survived on roots and vegetables of course the subtext is you haven't actually found god he continues in the same poem roza kiya namaz guzari bangde log sunawa you kept rozas you did namaz you did the bang the call to prayer right you you bang the log sunawa you that's what you played out and called to people riday kapat mile kyun sai kya hal ka be jawa so the poem ends with these two lines roza kiya namaz guzari bang de log sunawa riday kapat mile kyun sai kya hal ka be jawa if there is deceit and falsehood in your heart how will you get the sai the lord how will you find them kya hal ka be jawa what is the use of going to the kaaba taking a dig at the overt performances of piety and showing the hollowness of them so as you can see plenty here to take offense uh, and as i said some of you may have listened to the ghalib show that we did earlier uh, you know this came up that the kind of uh offensive things that these people were saying uh, perhaps in this day and age if they tweeted those out they would be in real trouble uh, 
so it really behooves thinking to us what kind of society it is what does liberty mean what does freedom of expression mean of course as we saw uh people were upset with what kabir was saying and they did go to the king and complain and all of those things did happen but yet what society chose to remember from there is kabir he lives in people's memory of him of whatever they attach to him and we see so much evidence of how he lives among the people all around us if you talk to people who are famous singers who have sung kabir you know internationally people like abida parveen farid ayaz kawal or kumar gandharv if you look at how they were introduced to kabir it's in a very very different way to how you might think of an important singer learning their repertoire right from a guru somewhere and so on they've heard the verses and the poems sung by ordinary people for example farid ayaz in one of his interviews talks about learning kabir for the first time being introduced to kabir by a donkey cart driver शमशेर वो गदागाड़ी चलाते थे रोटी पैदा करने के लिए वो गदागाड़ी चलाते थे लेकिन उनके पास कबीर का इतना कलाम था कि एक मरतबा मैंने उनको सुना था कि वो उन्होंने इसी जगह पर सड़क के ऊपर आग का एक छोटा सा वो थावला जलाकर 10 12 पंडर लोग जमा हुए थे छोटी सी डोलक और फिर उन्होंने कबीर को गाना शुरू किया फिर कबीर की मोहब्बत जागी सिमिलरली कुमार गंधर्व हु इज क्रेडिटेड विद taking kabir into a classical direction learned his kabir in indore in malwa as he lay recuperating from his illness he wasn't singing he was hearing the passing uh, by minstrels and street singers sing kabir and that's how he got introduced unhone malwa ki jo nath sampraday ki parampara thi उसमें ये जो कनफटे साधु गाते थे उससे एक एक शैली विकसित की जो कबीर को एक बिल्कुल नए ढंग से और एक बहुत ही प्रभावशाली ढंग से पेश करती थी मेरा ख्याल है कि कबीर के वैराग्य को उसके निर्गुण को और उसकी चोट को इन तीनों को कुमार गंधर्व ने अद्भुत ढंग से साधा था दीज एंड मेनी अदर सच वेज of living breathing in society is how we each of us actually encounters our own kabir coming up on the other side of the break manchanga to kathoti mein ganga why is it not possible for us to just create empathetic learner led spaces we learn from them they learn from us that's how this works yeah masala papad masala the essence is inclusion <laughs> we see them in totality the stories of change books which is into its fourth edition 
seeks to facilitate and recognize documentation of good practices of social change through reflections and learnings of various organizations. We hope you find these stories interesting and inspiring in equal measure. Stories of Change with Anuradha Nagraj Out now, only on Radio Azim Premji University. Raidas uh, Ravidas was uh, a chamar, a cobbler by caste. Uh, and once again, as with Kabir, this caste identity is squarely linked to him in his own poetry, in other people's accounts of him, and in our modern day uh, imaginings of him, of how we remember him. That Raidas's Chamar identity uh, is a key part of who he is. But of course, as with all of these saints, poets, philosophers, uh, he is also a extremely powerful thinker and poet. Begampura is, um, comes from one of his famous poems in which he imagines a place that does not have any sorrow in it. So, Begam, jahan gam nahi hai, aise nagri, Begampura. So, it's a kind of a utopia imagined by Raidas that is free of the um, shortcomings that we see in the world uh, today. Let's look at the poem first and then we'll come to a little bit more on Raidas himself. Begam pura shahar ko nao Dukh andoha nahi tisthao Begam pura shahar ko nao दुख अंदोह नहीं तिस्ठाऊं ना तस्वीस खिराज ना माल खौफ खता ना तरस जवाल Let me give you a flavor of the original and then we'll go into the meanings of what he's trying to say. So he starts, I think, fairly clearly most of you would have got, he's talking about this city called Begampura. Begampura शहर का नाम कैसा शहर है जहां दुख नहीं है दुख अंदोह नहीं तिस्ठाऊं वहाँ चिंता नहीं है, पश्चाताप नहीं है, भय नहीं है। He doesn't have any of these kinds of things that are there in the world today, uh, fear and regret and sorrow and worry and so on. कायम दायम सदा पातशाही, दोम नसोम सब एक सो आही। Truth always reigns there, and all people are one, different kinds of people. 
he goes on then in this vein and describes the city and he ends by saying kahe ravidas khalas chamara कहे रविदास खालस चमारा जो हम शहरी तो मीत हमारा जो हमारे साथ है वो हमारा मीत है दिस इज वॉट रविदास द चमार ट्रांसलेशन ऑफ द फुल पोएम आई डेंट रीड यू द फुल पोएम हियर एज फाउंड इन गेलोम बुक सीकिंग बेगमपुरा द रीगल रेलम विद द सोरोलिस नेम दे कॉल इट बेगमपुरा अ प्लेस विथ नो पेन no taxes nor cares nor own property there no wrongdoing worry terror or torture oh my brother i have come to take it as my own my distant home where everything is right that imperial kingdom is rich and secure where none are third or second all are one its food and drink are famous and those who live there dwell in satisfaction and wealth they do this or that they walk where they wish they stroll through fabled palaces and challenge o says ravidas a tanner now set free those who walk besides me are my friends it's interesting to think a little bit about how he is imagining this place it clearly it's a utopia um but what characterizes it it's a sorrowless place it doesn't have taxes that's an interesting thing for an economist to think about a city without taxes uh but essentially he is talking about uh i think way to read this is the unjust appropriation of wealth from those who produce it that this is a place characterized by no taxes and no ownership of property it's that kind of a class based imagination of a utopia where such forms of inequality don't exist uh but it's also more than that he says how all are one there कोई दूसरा तीसरा नहीं है सो दैट मीन्स दो दस नो कास्ट डिस्टिंगशन अदर काइंड ऑफ डिस्टिंगशन दैट कम बिटवीन पीपल एंड इट एंड्स ब्यूटिफुली बाय सेइंग जो हम शहरी सो मीत हमारा वन हु लिव्स विथ मी इन दिस सिटी ऑफ माय इमेजिनेशन इज माय फ्रेंड This poem has, as you see in the last line, the equation of Ravidas equates himself with his caste identity. Uh, one of the most famous sayings associated with Ravidas, which even if uh, uh, you know folks haven't uh, seen any of his poems, they would know possibly this saying uh, also signifies or gives us a link to his occupational and caste identity. and that saying is uh, man changa to kathoti mein ganga man changa if the mind is good pure and so on to kathoti mein ganga now this kathoti is the interesting part of this couplet for our purposes right now this is a bowl that cobblers use uh, which is filled with water to dip the leather when they are processing it working with it beating it and so on sewing it etc uh it's kept by the side of the cobbler and uh, the leather keeps getting dipped in that bowl 
So from the orthodox perspective, where leather is impure and people who work with leather are impure and so on, you can of course imagine that a bowl of water whose purpose is to constantly get leather dipped in it is the impurest body of water. The other extreme is the Ganga. The Ganga is a powerful symbol of purity. It's the place that washes off your sins. Uh, and it's not a coincidence that when Ravidas says this, he's sitting on the banks of the Ganga. And I'll come to the story very soon that links him directly to the Ganga. And that story is actually the origin of this proverb or this saying. Uh, but let's first understand fully the significance of what he's saying. So on the one hand, we have a body of water which is an impure. The impurest of impure bodies of water, the Kathoti. And on the other hand, we have the purest of the pure, the Ganga. That's the binary he has set up in this couplet. To go back to it, Man Changa to Kathoti me Ganga. If your mind is pure, then the Kathoti is the same as the Ganga. It's really how you think, how pure are your thoughts and your devotion that matters. The story that goes with this couplet is also a very interesting one. And it's a long story with many, many elaborations and so forth. Um, but I'll give you kind of the gist of it and then we can post some links where people have told more elaborated versions of it. Ravidas has his cobbler shop on the way to the river. It's, it's close to the river Ganga. And uh, every day there is a pandit, a Brahmin, who goes to offer prayers to the river on behalf of the king. And he passes Ravidas's shop every day. They are on greeting terms. The Brahmin often requests Ravidas to come with him and pray to the river along with him. Ravidas always refuses, saying, no, no, what will a lowly person like me do going there and so on, makes some excuse and doesn't go. One day, when the Pandit, the Brahmin, insists a lot, Ravidas says, okay, if you really, really are insisting so much, here, here are a couple of bananas, offer them to the river from my side. This is my worship for the river. The Pandit takes these along, he does his rituals on the banks, he does the prayers, and then almost as an afterthought, he remembers, oh yes, Ravidas has also given me a couple of bananas to offer, let me just do that too. And he almost carelessly offers the bananas to the river. And what happens? Lo and behold, in exchange for the bananas, the river gives back a beautiful kangan, a bracelet or a bangle. It's a divine bracelet, like the, the likes of which the Brahmin has never seen before in his life. And of course, needless to say, the river has never ever returned him anything before. So he's astounded. But immediately after being astounded, his mind starts working and says, well, you know, Ravidas doesn't know anything about this. He doesn't need to know anything about this. And he keeps it for himself. Takes it to the jeweler's shop in the market and says, I want to sell this thing. And the jeweler is astounded. The saraf, he says, what is this? I'm a generational jeweler. My father was a jeweler. My grandfather was a jeweler. We've never seen anything like this. Where did you get this? The Brahmin says, you know, what are you worried about that? I got it from somewhere. Someone gave it to me. Just give me a good price for it. The Saraf says, take all the cash I have. I can't price this. This is priceless. And he gives him a hefty sum that the Brahmin has never seen before, sends him off. 
enter the nagar seth the mayor of the city who comes to the jeweler shop shopping for his wife and he finds this kangan there he says to the jeweler this is amazing i must have this for my wife sell it to me please and so it makes its way to the nagar seth and from the nagar seth it goes to his wife and of course the wife turns out to be a friend of the queen the king of kashi his queen and her friend is now the wife of the nagar seth who has this kangan and she's showing it off in the next assembly to everyone including the queen the queen is absolutely smitten with the divine bracelet says i must have it where did you get it from does it have a pair the woman says no there's only one and my husband got it from this jeweler store in the city the queen immediately goes to the king says you have to get me one more of these the king lands up at the jeweler shop says you've sold this where did you get it from are there more like this the saraf says no there there is there's only one and this brahmin this pandit had got it and sold it to me i don't know where it came from suddenly everybody has to deny responsibility of anything to do with this because the king is involved and nobody wants to own up to the original um sin that lies behind this the brahmin is summoned to the king and the king says where did you get this from and the brahmin breaks into sweat saying oh my god this story just doesn't end i thought this was you know i had sold it and it was over he still doesn't confess though so let me try one more time he lands up at ravidas's door tells him what has happened now i'm in trouble can you help me and ravidas patiently hears him out and then he says okay so your problem is that you've got this thing from the river and now you need to produce another one like it and you don't know how are bhai man changa to kathoti mein ganga here is my bowl let me invoke the river and say oh river i can't go to you this nice person over here wants an offering from you that you had given can you please give it again and lo and behold the bowl of water in the kathoti brings forth a second bracelet of course the brahmin is very happy takes it back to the king the king upon hearing the story of course realizes what ravidas is finally dawns on the king is behind all of this lies an amazing individual whose devotion is responsible for this divine miracle and the moral of the story is manchanga to kathoti mein ganga what do these stories do they of course serve to remind us of the person and how special they were and so on these legends and the retelling of these legends are one way in which some of the more pungent or radical or caustic aspects of these personalities that we are talking about uh, remember that they are coming from uh, the lowest of the low castes many times right and they are aware of this they are putting it front and center so they are reacting from that position and that's not convenient to at least those who are higher up and those who are educated and so on one of the ravidas legends uh it's also a famous story about him that he is constantly challenged on uh, by the city's brahmins the brahmins of banaras on how he can say the things that he does 
about what spirituality is, what religion is, what the divine is. Being a chamar, that's not his job. That's the job of the Brahmins. So his Ravidas's station in society is not to say all of these profound things. That's somebody else's job. So he's challenging the established division of labor, if you will, and they keep talking about that. So in this story, finally tired of all of these attacks on him, Ravidas tears open his chest, and inside him you find a golden sacred thread. सोने का जनेऊ रविदास अपनी छाती फाड़ते हैं और उनके छाती के अंदर सबको सोने का जनेऊ दिखता है द मॉरल ऑफ द स्टोरी बींग दैट ही इज अ ब्राह्मण ही जस्ट हैपन्स टू बी अ चमार इन दिस लाइफ बट रियली द ट्रू पर्सन ऑफ रविदास द सोल ऑफ रविदास हु इज नाउ रेजिडेंट टेम्पररली इन दिस चमार बॉडी इज रियली अ ब्राह्मण सोल एंड दैट एक्सप्लेन्स एवरीथिंग Uh, so in some stories kabir is uh, found by his julaha parents as a baby he is abandoned as a baby adopted by these are his adopted parents and the mother who abandons him is conveniently a brahmin uh, woman uh, of course sitting now today in our context um, uh, we can appreciate the power of kabir or raidas without having the urge to make them more comfortable or palatable that doesn't mean that we have to take only an instrumental approach to them and it certainly doesn't mean that they were thinking about these ideas the same way we are thinking about them and yet what they are saying is so widely understood acknowledged and accessible to people that it forms a powerful body of wisdom to work with I want to end with uh, some broader reflections on the economic history and social history of the time that we are talking about and why we may see this particular kind of intellectual movement this poetry arise at this time. Economic historians uh, like Irfan Habib in his book on Mughal India uh, or more recently also um Purushottam Agarwal in his book on Kabir um parita mukta on her book in her book on mirabai they have tried to make an economic argument for why we see an increasing presence of artisanal castes and classes in the cultural uh, sphere in, in in india in this period and by this period i mean roughly the uh, what could be called the late medieval early modern period so think about uh, the 1300s 1400s 1500s that kind of a period it is interesting to think about the fact that there is urbanization happening during these centuries more and more urbanization happening so cities and towns are coming into their own with their own distinct cultural ethos cities and towns are also where artisanal caste and classes are to be found in greater numbers um and uh, in the later part of this period starting uh, with the portuguese voyages and then later on the establishment of the east india company and so on which is the 1500s and the 1600s uh, there is a strong move towards commercialization and an integration into a global economy uh, happening uh, with india being at the center of that uh, and in particular textiles being the key commodity that holds together this trade Uh, and recently there have been some interesting books also including how india clothed the world which look at this history of india's textile industry 
through the long long historical perspective so there is economic empowerment but not correspondingly uh, commensurate cultural status or social status uh, and that creates a protest kind of poetry which we see reflected in many of these bhakti poets we don't have to take it as a proven thing and that need not be the only factor that was at work uh, but it is interesting to think of how it might have played a role with this uh, bit of economic history under our belts we can come back to the city that we have kept returning to in this episode banaras or varanasi which is the paradigmatic textile city to this day remains a very important center of textile production and brings together a very vibrant economy resting on textiles together with a robust set of spiritual intellectual philosophical traditions from ancient times so we've alluded very briefly to the buddhas for example preaching in sarnath right which is right outside of banaras so we have the buddhist tradition we of course have the brahmanical tradition which is very strong in uh, the city we have with the coming of um, islamic rule and banaras coming in the ambit of the delhi sultanate and then the sharki sultan of jaunpur and so on we have important sufis and banaras emerging as a center where islamic thought is also uh, part of the milieu and then we have these um nath and siddha traditions the various yogic traditions coming in as well the vaishnav traditions coming in so people like kabir and raidas are at the intersection at the crossroads of all of this in this one geographical location so banaras offers the economic factors the social factors the intellectual factors that come together in producing a very unique historical moment and a very unique set of ideas that today we have seen in the figures of kabir and ravidas tera mera manwa kaise next time we travel to karnataka and we look at the kannada vachanakaras where again we encounter a fascinating set of cobblers weavers and even prime ministers of kingdoms who are going to come together in a very unique intellectual movement Make sure you check out the show notes where we share the show resources and acknowledgments and don't forget to subscribe or like our channel for future episodes. You're listening to Rap sun rahe hain you're listening in suno thar singla ke kanada you kelta idira hai kada re katha sun radio radio azim range university